Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I am J.P. Hornstrom with the Southern California News Group. The magic number to clinch the National League West is down to six. The Dodgers can clinch a playoff berth as early as today. As I speak on Friday afternoon, Dodgers in San Diego for three. They could have the division wrapped up by the end of this series on Sunday. So it's an exciting time. Sean Green and I will be talking about all of that on today's episode. Bringing Sean in in just a couple minutes. A couple things I wanted to direct your attention to. If you want to read about Joey Gallo and just how smoothly he has taken to the idea of not playing every day, I have a story about it up on ocregister.com and on dailynews.com. It is called Dodgers Joey Gallo is the rare former all-star who embraces a bench role. As long as you're there, go ahead and read my column posted on Thursday all about the minor league players' unionization effort and just how quickly it happened. You know, two years ago, this was just barely becoming an issue A group of minor leaguers, ex-minor leaguers, I should say, were just coming together to form an advocacy group. And here we are, a little more than two years later, and they are all part of the Major League Baseball Players Association staff. They are fighting for union recognition as we speak. So, pretty interesting story affecting all levels of professional baseball in the U.S., Subsequent to my speaking with Sean, Major League Baseball announced that the pitch clock, the larger bases, and the banning of infield shifts are all coming next season, 2023. So that's the big news drop for today. Now let's bring on Sean for some Dodger talk. Sean Green, thanks for joining me as always. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me again. As we speak here on Thursday, the Dodgers' magic number to clinch the National League West is down to six. I think some people are secretly or maybe not so secretly expecting that the team would slow down its pace toward the end of the season as the stakes get lower and lower and the division clinching feels a little more inevitable so far, that hasn't really happened, even though the division's been effectively locked up for weeks. And Sean, I wanted to get your experience from your playing career. Is it harder for some guys to maintain that day-in, day-out focus when the stakes just aren't as high? I don't think so. I mean, you look at you got a starting pitcher every every night, and and that guy wants to go win his starts. You got every reliever coming in that wants to shut the opponents down and, and every hitter wants to go up there and, and get their hits, hit their home runs, score runs, all that stuff. So I, I just 
don't think that you really you lower the intensity. I, I, clearly, when the fans are a buzz and it's a high intense game, it it just heightens things a little bit. But you know, just on a performance basis, everyone wants to go out there and and succeed and do their best. That's a good point. You mentioned the fans. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where attendance goes here at Dodger Stadium these last few weeks of the season because. There is a little bit of history at stake even after the division is clinched. Now, if the Dodgers go 22 and 4, hang with me here, they will tie the 2001 Seattle Mariners and the 1906 Chicago Cubs for the most wins ever in a single season, 116. And a lot of people are talking about that. I think 22 and 4 is maybe a little bit much to expect. But here's, here's the interesting one. If the Dodgers just go 13 and 13, the rest of the way. That will get them to 107 wins, franchise record. So literally, they can go 500 the rest of the way, and they would be the best Dodgers team of all time, at least in terms of the raw win total. And that's saying something here on September 8th. I know I know the verdict isn't in yet, but Sean, is it a stretch to say that we could be seeing the best Dodger team of all time? I don't think it's a stretch. I mean, I, this is definitely the best Dodger generation, you know, for the last 10 years. I mean, it's been amazing. So, you know, you, you got to factor in what the other teams, you know, the strength of the other teams that they're playing and all that stuff. And I think there's been, you know, some teams over the last, you know, even five years that would give this team a good run for their money um, with when you have like a healthy Kershaw and a healthy Walker Bueller and even back to, Granky, I mean, they've had some incredible, incredible teams. So it's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, these guys this year are, are super deep and they're overcoming the injuries. Um, and hopefully that continues. Uh, I think what's pretty amazing is how well they've done this year with some of their going into the season, some of their, you know, biggest potential or biggest likely contributors haven't had the kind of seasons. You know, Muncy's come on great the second half, and um, but but Cody hasn't had the type of season that um, you would have expected. Even even after a tough year last year, you expect a little more bounce back. So um, I think putting all that into perspective and seeing how well they've done, um, just imagine, you know, if they haven't had as as many injuries and and have had um, you know just kind of a a mediocre season, you know, from start to finish for a couple of their their star hitters, like it, it would be even better. So it's, um, I think it's, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do because they have had, you know, everyone has adversity in a 162 game season, but it seems like they've had, you know, some, some tough ones to overcome for most teams, but they've been able to do that. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely in that, in that argument as the best Dodgers team ever. It's just, it's, you know, it's one of those arguments that I think you can't ever really uh, solve or figure out. Yeah, my operating theory was always that the 2017 team was the best, just because when you think about how many players on that roster were at or near the, their peak that year, um, Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, um, Cody Bellinger was a, a rookie of the year that year. It just seemed like a convergence of a lot of guys at or near their peak, and even though it's a slightly different cast this year, I think you could probably say the same thing about 
Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman and just the pitchers. Like, this is easily the best year of Tony Gonsolin's career um, to the point when he was healthy. Uh, Tyler Anderson, I think, would have to say the same thing. I think this is probably Julio Arias' best year, um, notwithstanding his 20 wins of a year ago. I think if you look overall, he's kind of there. And, and now you step back and look at it. I've just named six guys, uh, all-star caliber players, all having basically career years. I think it's pretty hard to take away from that when you step back and, and think about how many teams can say that in a given year. Um, not even some of the great Dodger teams of the last few years can say that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it takes, and it, it really has taken those guys stepping up with the injuries and with, um, you know, the, the offensive struggles of some of the guys to be able to shuffle the lineup and have, you know, guys be able to carry the weight um, in, you know, that, and that's, that's what a great team does, a great organization, because it's really more than just the team. You gotta, you gotta have the front office, you gotta have the player development, you know, all providing a funnel of players that can come in. And they've done that, you know, bringing pitchers in that you think, okay, um, this guy's, done okay or this guy has potential and then all of a sudden they they go into this machine that that is become unstoppable and that's why I think to be a Dodger fan right now is is just incredible because it's not like you know some teams throw together uh, you know a bunch of guys and you can kind of see the writing on the wall that after the season they're gonna you know or in a, in a year or two they're gonna just, just dismantle and, and start over but you know kind of like the Nationals or whatever but here you have a team that it, it's it's so much more than a team and it's just it's a vision and it's it's an ongoing I don't know I I mean there's been some great dynasties the, the Braves of the 90s the Yankees of the mid 90s to 2000s um, but it, it just doesn't feel like anyone has had this formula and this core foundation of a just organization in place before I saw a stat today that the Dodgers could become the first team ever to win 106 games in one year and then actually win more games the following season. That's never happened before. You talk about dismantling teams like, you know, they're chasing the 2001 Mariners for the best record of all time. What happened to those 2001 Mariners in 02 and 03 and 04? Like, it's crazy, but that's actually more typical of what happens than, than what we see the Dodgers doing the last few years. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's kind of back to your point about guys having some career years and that's that's going to happen. You have a you know, it's a few career years from guys that you weren't expecting and some, you know, solid years from maybe the stars or whatever it is and, and all of a sudden the team wins a bunch of games and and here it's it's almost like, okay, you see the career years, but you know, next year who knows what happens with Trey Turner and you know, you'll have these other guys, Mookie and Freddie back, but then maybe next year, you know, uh, Muncie goes off and hits 40 home runs. And so he has a career year. So it's just, there's so many guys that have the ability in this Dodger organization to be stars. I mean, you almost go, almost the entire roster has the ability with a career year to, to have an MVP, MVP or Cy Young quality year that, you know, the odds are there's going to be a couple guys that that really lock in and, and play well, and you figure most guys will kind of be somewhere in their 
kind of sweet spot average, you know, production. But yeah, when you, when you have a team that like the Mariners that had a few guys in, in 2001, um, it's, it's easy to see why they, you know, fall off the next year or like do a quick dismantle and start over. Yeah, Sean, I'm going to bring you with this pop quiz here. Do you remember how your 2001 Dodgers did against the 2001 Mariners? I do remember. I mean, we played them one series, and yep. I, I know we lost the series. I, I feel like we lost two out of three. That's right. Like that. So we might have got swept. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So <laughs> you guys lost 13 to nothing in game one. Freddie Garcia's complete game shutout. Uh, the second game, game two, that's the one I would have chosen to do with 10. That was a two-to-one Dodger win, ended on an Adrian Beltre walk-off home run. And then you lost the finale nine-to-two. But, Sean, you personally, you went two for 11 with a walk and, and a strikeout in the three games. So Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, you, you did more than, than most guys uh, against okay. the best team of all time. <laughs> You know, one thing September has historically brought is a whole bunch of minor leaguers populating the dugout, uh, getting their first taste uh, of big league action. Uh, September call-ups were an annual tradition, and, and that was when rosters could expand to 40 every year. And this year we don't have that. Uh, a couple of years ago they capped the number of uh, roster spots at 28 across the board. And so you only get two call-ups, and, and we saw Miguel Vargas come up and the Dodgers are keeping an extra reliever in the bullpen. I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, do you prefer this system where, where it's just the 28, or, or did you like the old way when the bench was full of minor leaguers and you never knew who was going to bat or pitch next? Yeah, see, I think there's some drawbacks to bringing up too many guys. I know for a while the Dodgers are bringing up, like, tons, almost the whole roster. Yeah. And it, it does – it just creates – when you're an everyday player – it's awesome when you get called up, you know, in September, I got called up in 93 and actually got a world series ring out of it in Toronto. But, um, I, it's awesome from that perspective, but then when you're an everyday player, it's just, there's just too many guys. So you want to go to the cage and the young guys are getting their work in excited. And it's like, it's just, it's probably easier in, in the stadiums nowadays. Most of them are, are newer, better facilities, but, um, the locker rooms could be, Overcrowded. I remember we had a double up in lockers in hmm. uh, Milwaukee or some of the places that had a smaller, um, smaller facilities. So, like from that perspective, I didn't like it. I also think it, it puts too much question into teams that are out of it when they're playing a team that's in the race, um, whether or not they're going to throw the the double A pitcher against a team that's you know vying for a playoff spot. Like I don't, I don't like having that flexibility either. So I think that's another drawback of having too many guys. But I think two guys is a little light. I, I think the sweet spot would be four to five guys because I think it's hmm. every team should be able to call up a third catcher if they don't have three, which most don't. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, a couple of pitchers, even to have like a, a fast guy to, you know, to pinch run is great. Um, and, and, you know, then maybe, a, you know, hopefully one or two of those guys are top prospects, but it's good to have, you know, those, the guys that are going to make the team next year, they get a little taste. So I think maybe five is kind of the, the right number. Um, but I, I don't know why they settled on two. I don't, I don't know what the, the thought process was there, but it's, you know, I think it's a little light. 
Yeah, I'm not sure either. I, if I had to guess, it was probably a negotiation between some of the big market teams, like the Dodgers, like you mentioned, who can certainly afford to keep, you know, up to 40 guys making the major league minimum um, around for a full month. Whereas if you're a small market team, you're out of the postseason, eh, <laughs> maybe you're not as incentivized to do that. Um, and maybe that's a little bit more of an ask. I, I, I think I'm with you. I think I like the idea of four to five. Uh, if you look at this year's Dodger team, like there are some guys down at AAA who are performing, um, a couple of whom have already performed at the big league level. Like James Altman came up and had an amazing series uh, in Colorado. He went back to AAA, and he's like hitting for the cycle every other day. Right. It would be amazing to watch at the big league level, but two spots don't allow it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on team four to five roster spots. That's, that's a good call. Yeah, no, it, it just seems it seems to make sense. <clears throat> I know, yeah, I mean, when when the Dodgers – I think when I got called up in 93, there was probably about eight of us is what I would guess. Okay. Um, so, you know, and, and usually there's there's an extra left-handed reliever and there's, like I said, a, an extra catcher and a couple fast, – a fast guy or two. Um, it's definitely, you know, a guy who can start in, in a pinch if someone's – or you, they want to give the rotation, you know, the, a little mix-up or rest or push everyone back. So I think those types of things are really helpful when you got a team, particularly that is in the Dodgers' position, that is, you know, going to clinch really early and you want to be able to cycle some rest days. But um, on the flip side, yeah, it, having 12 or 13 guys is, is a little bit ridiculous. Did you ever have to play – a September series at Wrigley Field as a visiting player? I That's a good question. I did Fenway for sure. Um, okay. I don't remember playing Wrigley. Actually, I think we did. I think we did. I think guys had a double of lockers. But, yeah, it's, it's super tight, and the cage is, you know, in right field. It's, you can barely even get to the cage. Like, it's, So, yeah, it's uh, – that makes it really tough. And there, you know, when I played, there was more stadiums like that, like Tiger Stadium. And, you know, that was mm-hmm. another one that we went to in September. And um, and it, it just it does take away from, you know, the, the everyday guys who need to get their work in. Um, it's it kind of feels a little bit like spring training. And, and the guys coming up a lot sometimes are, you know, sometimes they're younger and maybe a little. It's good for them to see how focused the you know, the the big league guys are, but sometimes they could be distracting because they're maybe a little louder joking around. And, and so it's, it's like, Hey, it's time to work here guys. You know, this isn't, you know, a double or triple a game where there's you know 3000 people in the stands. It's like, you yeah, know, you gotta let these guys do their thing. I, I would have loved to have seen that, uh, that September series in Wrigley, the visitors clubhouse. If, if any of you listening has never been, it's basically an oversized walk-in closet, and <laughs> right. I, I'm surprised you guys weren't tripling up lockers. Doubling seems a little bit light, but I guess you managed to pull it off. Um, yeah. <laughs> on, on that note, Sean, I'm going to let you go. Thanks, as always, uh, for joining me, and it's going to be exciting to see how the Dodgers finish this season out here without about a month to play, uh, chasing some history. Yeah, that's no, going to be exciting, and then, I think October is going to be even better. So, you know, good thoughts, and and hopefully they could uh, get that 22-4. That would be something special. 
That'd be really cool. Thanks again, Sean. All right. Thanks, JP. Thanks again to Sean Green for hopping on the podcast. I don't say this every week, but it's still true that if you could rate, review, and subscribe, it will help keep this podcast going. I appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll be back next week, probably talking about a division champion. Be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.